Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Red Sox hot stove edition of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Tonight, we will be covering the topic that never ends, Xander Bogarts, uh, the latest, uh, I don't know, online chatter about what his status might be. We're also going to talk about the uh, acquisition of Chris Martin, who uh, looks to be probably an eighth inning guy uh, in our bullpen, uh, or certainly a late inning guy nonetheless, and uh, probably some Aaron Judge and then some Hall of Fame reaction in the final segment. With me tonight, Mark Rollins. Mark, how are you? Doing well. It's it's my favorite time of year when I can talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame and it actually matters. And it's not just me rambling for no reason. <laughs> You're you are our Hall of Fame specialist. So uh, I don't mind getting into that. But, uh, you know, I, I go because I'm not an expert on it like you are and certainly not the historian you are. Uh, I mm-hmm. just kind of go into interview mode like, you know, try to ask the questions that maybe the audience uh, wants to know. So. How was your weekend? It was pretty good. You know, uh, it was a little under the weather uh, yesterday, but uh, feeling better. It was just like a one-day sort of thing, you know. Um, Benna just hung out today, decorated our Christmas tree. We got a Christmas tree today, decorated, watched football. Uh, my Eagles beat the Tennessee Titans, which was nice. Uh, just an absolute shellacking. Uh, love to see that, but all, all in all, pretty good weekend. Are the Eagles, because uh, I am I admittedly haven't been paying any attention to the NFL this year uh, compared mm-hmm. to previous seasons, but are they looking like, uh, you know, a Super Bowl appearance? Uh, uh, they're 11 and 1. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm sorry <laughs> I even asked. Uh, yep. <laughs> As of right now, if the Eagles don't make the Super Bowl, I will be rather upset. <laughs> yeah. Well, there shouldn't be a ton of pressure, though, because they did win a recent one, so it's not like they're... They're carrying this curse or whatever. Yeah, not like the the last one where it was the first in franchise history. They had won one NFL championship before the Super Bowl even existed. Okay. Uh, but they had never won a Super Bowl until they won in 2017. So Got it. That was such a fun Super Bowl, too. I just It was one of the great moments of my life. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I could imagine. I, I, I cried like a baby. The, I, oh, I was a puddle. The co-host on my uh, local Portland station on the midday show is uh, is an Eagles guy, so um, yeah, I get plenty of uh, Eagles talk uh, on that show. But haven't been listening uh, the last few weeks anyway. All right, so my my weekend, I I went to a tournament like uh, you know I've been doing, and that went okay. But prior to leaving. For the, like the last week, week and a half, I've been walking at this park, and mm-hmm. it's one and a quarter miles around, and I've been doing three or four laps to you know get a decent walk in, and it's kind of scenic and you know a nice place to go. And every single one of those days, I, I kept coming across this cat, and the cat was friendly, and and from what I could tell, it was abandoned, and. One of the days, second or third day, this lady was feeding it. And I asked her, I'm like, what's the story with this cat? She goes, well, it's been around a little while. And, you know, it seems to be like, you know, somebody just dropped it off here. And 
it's waiting for someone to come get it. And so it started to get cold at night. Now, this is the Myrtle Beach area. And the temps were getting down into the 30s like it does. It, you know, it mm-hmm. warms up to the 50s or 60s during the day. But the nights do get kind of chilly. And finally, on like the fifth or sixth day, I was like, I can't. I got to do something. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I called my girlfriend. I'm like, do we want a cat? <laughs> and she had, you know, some concerns. And we went and... uh got everything we needed uh you know litter box food bowls Mm -hmm. food all that some flea treatments we haven't found any fleas but just in case and uh we got some deworming stuff also just in case and uh he was in the bathroom we secluded him in there to keep him away from our two dogs and and um wanted to see that it would use the litter box and uh it was so you have no idea, you know, what their situation is, why they were abandoned, you know, yeah. did, were they impossible to housebreak and, mm-hmm. you know, so we haven't, there's no red flag so far, <laughs> but just well, tonight good. for the first time we let him out of the bathroom and a uh, couple of tense moments with one of my dogs, but um, they kind of chilled out. So, uh, yeah, so. We have a cat now. Oh, and uh, I made a big thing of it on social media because we didn't we didn't have a name for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the four finalists were Smalls, which is from the Sandlot. Sandlot, of yeah, course. You're killing me, Smalls. And uh, Stillwell, which uh, comes from A League of Their Own, mm-hmm. underrated baseball movie. And then Tito for Francona. And we just of like course. the name Tito. You know, it's just Tito's a solid name. Yeah, it's just an easy name. And then uh, Remy. And uh, of course, Remy won the poll, but the girlfriend's like, yeah, yeah, we there's a little recency bias, I think, with Remy for obvious reasons. No, I I think Remy's a solid choice. Uh, it's no Pokey, which was my uh, <laughs> my submission after yeah. Pokey Reese, of course, the man who made the uh, final out uh, against uh, the Yankees. Right. Is he the final out against the Yankees? It was a ground ball to Reese and he threw it on the first base in 04. Was that? It might have been. I I kind of tuned out Game Seven because Damon buried him early. Yeah, uh, with the grand I'm, slam. I'm pretty sure it was Pokey Reese that made the final out. Uh, it was a ground ball to him, threw it on the first base, and the Yankees uh, were dead. So yeah, you know what the best game of that series was, in my opinion. I mean, Game Game Four was amazing. Game Five was amazing. It, are you going to say six? For uh, yeah. And it's yeah. not so much. I mean, it's it, part of it's for shilling because the expectations were kind of low. I mean, how's that ankle going to hold up? But you had the drama of, of a rod, you know, swatting mm-hmm. at first base. That's it, right. That was that was the swat that yeah. uh, was heard around the world where he just it, I, I love uh, I love MacArthur's call on that. He looks like a kid who got caught reaching into the cookie jar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I, I, so for some reason, I just really love that game and Schilling pitched, you know, mm-hmm. a classic Schilling postseason game more on him later, I think. But, um, mm-hmm. so anyway, let's uh, go ahead and get right into it. So a report came out and, uh, Pete Abe was on it. I think it was his report actually. Um, and the Red Sox, Despite saying he was that Xander Bogarts was their plan A coming into this postseason, their biggest priority, the Red Sox, according to this report, 
have not made a competitive offer to Bogart. So are you surprised by that at this stage of the game? At this stage, no. I'm not buying too deep into this. I'm not saying I don't believe the report because I absolutely do. I'm just not buying too deep into the narrative because I don't know if you saw there was a report a couple of days ago that said Xander told the Red Sox that he is going to give them a chance to match whatever offer he has given and then sign that. Right. That but, was the uh, Peter Gammons. Oh, yeah, no. that was Gammons. Yeah. It, it might have been Gammons. I don't remember who did the report. Um, and yeah, Gammons is 98 years old, but <laughs> yeah. he tends to still have somewhat of a pulse on the team. Um, yeah. So, and I, I like Peter Gammons. I always have. I know he gets a lot of crap on social media because he doesn't know how to type, which I think is very funny. But Gammons, for the most part, I think is a, is a rather trustworthy source. It certainly has the uh, has the access and has the veteran savvy, but um. I think it just might be like the Red Sox saying, okay, you know, if, if that's our option, let's do that. And if it's, you know, if someone offers him eight for 240 or whatever, yeah, they probably won't match it. But I think their competitive offer will be if they feel comfortable with a number that another team offers, just offer that number, if not like 5 million or something higher, just to make it, you know, make Xander and his agent feel better that they signed a higher contract. I think it's fine that on the first day of the winter meetings, they haven't made that offer yet. We've still got a few days of absolutely hectic news that's going to be coming out of the meetings. So I don't think it's that big of a deal right now. Now, if this report came out three weeks from now, and we were around Christmas, I'd be like, okay, that's a problem. But it feels like there might be an understanding between Xander and the Red Sox that it's like, well, we'll make you an offer when we feel that, you know, we, we want to be, or not even want to be in the sweepstakes, but like, we know that we're in the back of your mind this entire time. We'll make an offer when we feel like you'll sign it sort of thing. It could be something along the lines of they're just waiting to see what the high offers are and yeah. if, in fact, they could compete with that. And then you're going to have some factions of Red Sox Nation that are like, well, maybe they're waiting to hear 200 so they can say, well, we offered 160 and, you know, he didn't take it, you know, just to save face. But here's the one thing in the back of my mind. And... It's been in the back of my mind a while, and, you know, it wasn't super relevant. You know, it was kind of an apples and oranges thing, but it, it's kind of looming a little larger. When Jackie Bradley became a free agent at the end of the 2020 season, mm -hmm. the Red Sox all winter long said they were like you know, we're still in contact with Jackie Bradley and, you know, there's been talks and, and this and that. And that's what they kept saying. And there, believe it or not, at that time, there was still a pretty decent faction of Red Sox fans that wanted him to stay. That just couldn't let go of Jackie Bradley. And by... Me. That was that was me. Was I was it? one of those people. <laughs> I love Jackie Bradley Jr. I know he isn't very good. I love JBJ with all of my heart. I never wanted to see him leave Boston. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. And yeah. 
as they got closer to February, it, it was the same. It was the same language. They said we're we're still in contact with Bradley, and we're gonna be until the situation re- resolves itself. They had no. The only intentions they had in signing Bradley was if literally nobody else did, and they could bring mm-hmm. him back on a one year, four or five million dollar deal. Yeah, they could have said. They could have said at some point that, you know. We don't expect a Bradley signing, or it, you know, it. We're not close. They they could have made it made sense, and and they didn't do it. And the fact that they didn't, I think it just hurts their credibility a little bit. They they knew they weren't going to be signing him, but they still continued that narrative, like we might do it. And perhaps that's what's going on right now with Xander Bogarts. It, it could be. I'm, I'm not going to put it past the front office to play that game. You know, the try to appease the fans game. And then it's like, oh, he went somewhere for more than we were comfortable with. Because that's typically how front offices do it, you know. But there's just, I, I've said it every single time I've been on here to talk about the Xander situation. I just have it, I have a gut feeling that it's going to work itself out. It, I, I don't know what it is it i have zero evidence to back it up especially based on how the red sox have operated the last few years i just it doesn't seem like the guy you let go as much as i love mookie betts and he won an mvp and you know all the great things he sort of seemed like the guy they would be willing to let go i i don't know why like i wasn't genuinely shocked when they traded him i it, it didn't shock me to my core I, I would be rather surprised if Bogarts was, you know, taught, not tossed aside. Obviously, he would be getting, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars from another team. But it, it would surprise me. That's your franchise shortstop. That's a guy, you know, number on his back will, you know, hopefully be up in the rafters. And it would if he finished out his career with the Red Sox, no doubt in my mind. You know, if he signs a six-year deal, he could stink all six of those years. But number two would be up, you know, right there next to Pedro and Poppy, and he would be a Red Sox legend. It just doesn't seem like the guy you let go. The only reason they did it with Nomar was the injury history. You know, they – you know, there was some there was a reason to trade him. If Nomar was healthy, he would have played his entire career in a Red Sox uniform. Like shortstop is a position that this this organization has tended to, you know, tended to hold on to guys, to guys that really meant something to the team. So I just even I, I still think something will be worked out. And I have zero evidence and zero, you know, there's no reason I should think that. I call it blind optimism, but I, I still would be surprised to see him somewhere else. For everybody in your camp that wants him back, that kind of expects him to come back to some degree, your biggest fear should be the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, they are. I'm terrified of the Philadelphia Phillies. He's going to have a meeting with Dave Dombrowski this week and perhaps some of the other teams in the in the sweepstakes. Apparently, the Cubs have him maybe at the very top of their list. I'll never worry about the Chicago Cubs. I, I'm sorry. I feel like we shouldn't, but I don't know. I don't know. But in regards to the Phillies, that's where our old GM, Dave Dombrowski, is. And... The thing that should make it scary is Dave Dombrowski is a very likable guy. He's a very respected guy. 
and mm-hmm. he's a great communicator. He's very sincere, very honest, and very straightforward. And I think he's going to be extremely capable of tugging on the heartstrings of Xander Bogarts. I don't. Here's 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 the problem with that. That's the guy who didn't want to give him an extension. Well, he gave him the team friendly well, one. He gave he gave him the low ball extension that he was like, yeah, this is what we'll give you. Like, you know, I don't think Dombrowski like I don't think that relationship is that you know is is that close. You know, I know obviously you won a World Series here with Dombrowski, but I I don't think it's like you know they're that tight. I I'm not worried too much about that connection. I'm just worried about Dave's willingness to spend. Because if we know anything about Dave Dombrowski, he will spend money. So I'm more worried about the fact that if he, it's not even his relationship with Bogarts, it's just, let's say Trey Turner signs with the Padres, which Trey Turner is their number one target. It's, it's been very clear that the, the Phillies want Trey Turner. Former teammates with Bryce Harper, their buddies, you know, it adds an element of speed and like everything points to the Phillies being Trey Turner is the number one option and Xander is number two. So if they don't get Trey Turner, that's when I'm most scared. But right now I think they're gunning for Turner. Well, I think Turner's going to cost probably the most, maybe Correa edges him, but they're going to be in yeah, the same Turner's, neighborhood. Turner's the most expensive. And like that's- I just think if you look at Harper's contract, you look at the Schwarber and Castellanos contracts, which aren't long, but they're the, the they're annual value is, is high. I just think, I think Xander makes the most sense. And unlike 2019 or 2018 going into 2019, when Xander signed that, you know, team friendly extension, uh, you know, which was six years, 120 mil. So 20 mil a year. Uh, is what that worked out to be. That particular offseason, he was probably the third priority because you had Mookie above him that they went mm-hmm. hard after. That was their last uh, attempt at that. Then you had Chris Sale, and he also did sign his, you know, to <laughs> my dismay. And and then Xander was kind of number three. This time around, he's probably... It, number one, and if not him being number one, a shortstop is the number one priority for the Phillies. So I think it is a little bit different this time. I think there's going to be a little bit more motivation there uh, from Dombrowski. And I think a key selling point that Dombrowski might possibly pitch to him is that he doesn't have to be the leader of the Phillies because that's Bryce Harper. And then the lieutenant general is going to be Kyle Schwarber. And then the colonel under him is going to be Nick Castellanos. There's a lot of big personalities on that team. And I don't think Xander would have been comfortable with the captain tag. I just, I don't think he responds well to pressure. He's never been a big October guy. You know, he, he fades a little bit as the season goes. And um, I just feel like it's it's a perfect fit for him, and I think Dombrowski knows that, and I think it's going to be an easy sell. We'll see. Like I said, I I think Trey Turner is like they they won't sign a shortstop before Trey Turner signs. Like I'm fairly confident that Trey Turner is either going to sign with the Phillies 
or they're going to be in it right up until the very end, and he chooses another team. And then they say, okay, let's get our shortstop. And it might not even be, like, it might not even be one of these guys on the free agent market. Would it surprise anyone if Dombrowski emptied the farm system for Fernando Tatis Jr., who is allegedly on the trading block? Wouldn't surprise me. Dombrowski, he doesn't know prospects' names. He's just like, write down a few of them, and I'll send them over to him. <laughs> he probably like, just he just gives them the numbers. All right, let's go with 2, 6, 11, yeah, and, and 17. Like, Dombrowski is no stranger to just dumping a farm system. So if they don't get Trey Turner or Bogarts or Correa, like they don't get one of the shortstops, I wouldn't be shocked if it was like, yeah, the Phillies just sent six prospects to the Padres for Fernando Tatis Jr. because apparently the organization's sick of him. I, I don't think that would happen. I, I mean, I think you'd be getting Tatis at a discount at this point because lots of baggage a huge defensive liability, a liability off the field, and then a massive contract. Even better. Yeah, get him at a discount. I mean, it would be. And then when he comes back and continues to hit 35 home runs, if he stays on the field, it's like, yeah, look at it. Look at what we gave up for this guy. Nothing. Like, I think right now is the perfect time to go and get Tatis because, you know, PD suspension or not, the guy was really good. Like the guy is a very, very good baseball player. Yeah, the defense at shortstop may not be great. In fact, it's quite bad. But the guy can just flat out hit. I'm I'm fairly confident Fernando Tatis was not using PEDs before his injury. I will give him the benefit of the doubt and say he was using them to try to get back from his injury, which is a common use for PEDs and what a lot of guys use them for. Andy Pettit, you did that bunch of guys have done that was so, it was it like anabolic or was it an hgh type steroid it was it was something i i don't remember exactly what the steroid was but it had been two guys had been suspended for it before d strange gordon and freddie galvis it's not like we're talking bonds level you know steroid here you know this isn't something to put on a huge amount of muscle and hit more home runs. The two guys that had been busted for it prior were light hitting speedy shortstops that were coming off of injury. Okay. And ju- just for the audience, the reason why I question that is uh anabolic is like, you know, that makes you the Hulk, you know, for lack of yeah. a better term. No, I, H- I believe it was, yeah, I believe it was just something to help his muscles get back to. Yeah. And then strength. HGH is human growth hormone. That's for recovery. And I, I think doctors mm-hmm. do prescribe it at, at times. HGH is like a miracle drug. Yeah. Like it's, it's banned in, you know, all sports. But outside of sports, I remember uh, I saw a special one time. I feel, I want to say it was on like PBS or something. It was just a group of regular people. It was in the middle of the stare, like the huge steroid controversy in baseball. And it was like eight people. Just regular people ages 25 to 55 that had all been prescribed HGH by their doctor. It didn't make them bulk up. It didn't do anything. It just made them feel better. And it's like, you know, apparently it is like a miracle drug if you are prescribed yeah, it. It expedites the recovery. Instead yeah. of, you know, 12 months, you're probably looking at eight months or something, depending on the injury. Before I move on, 
to the uh, acquisition we just made. Who's the one player you don't want showing up in Xander Bogart's inbox for text messages? Like to recruit him? Yeah. <laughs> you see where cool. I'm going with this? I think I do. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, I mean, I obviously don't want him on the Yankees. If yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm still thinking yeah. Phillies. I, I'm I don't think I, I think Kyle Schwarber is going to be the head yeah, recruiter. Yeah, Schwarber's if, Schwarber's the one. Yeah. yeah, if he if 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 Dombrowski's looking for a little bit of leverage and be like, hey Kyle, you know, do us a solid, and I'm sure he would love to have uh, Xander. So damn, why does Schwarber have to be the most likable guy? Oh, in baseball? I know. Kyle from Waltham, isn't that what they call him? Yeah, Kyle from Waltham. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I would have loved to have brought him back, and that exact contract. I think it was what four years, eighty mil. It was pretty painless looking. I would have if Kyle signed that with Boss. I would have been the happiest dude on the planet. It's yeah, twenty mil a year for a guy that's just gonna hit tank after tank in the American League East. Yeah. Oh, man. That guy's playing eight games a year at Yankee Stadium. Like, come on now. He's going to hit in those eight games. He'll hit 12 home runs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just for comparison, I mean, Hanley Ramirez had a four-year $88 million contract. So just think of how much better in comparison uh, those would have been. Hey, Hanley had that one year. He had the one season where it was like, hey, maybe this is going to work out. And then the other three were just dog crap. <laughs> yeah, that was 2016, I think, and uh, his first year playing first base, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, he he fell off quick. I will never forget. I don't know if you watch MLB Network a lot, but every year they do uh, the top 10 players at each position, and it's decided by this thing called the Shredder, which is some algorithm oh, that uses a bunch of... That's you know, a Brian Kenny thing. Yeah, it's a Brian Kenny thing. Yeah. Prior to the 2015 season, Right when the Red Sox had signed Hanley Ramirez, it was going to be his first year in Boston. He was playing left field. The shredder named Hanley Ramirez the number one left fielder in baseball. That's just <laughs> like the... I'll never forget it. I, I was watching the show with my dad, and we were like, What? <laughs> he was so bad that year, they literally just sent him home. They yeah. literally sent him home. And mm -hmm. when Dombrowski came in and said, we're going to make him a first baseman, I laughed. I couldn't. I don't like spring training. It just doesn't do anything for me. It really doesn't. Mm -hmm. It's it's a milestone during the winter. Okay, pitchers and catchers, you're six weeks out. And then so on and so forth. And But I couldn't wait to tune in to watch Hanley Ramirez try to play first base. And it was like the most uneventful thing ever. He was fine. He yeah, was fine. He was just fine. It's almost, <laughs> like, it's almost like career infielders shouldn't just be randomly moved to the outfield because it's on the same side of the field. Yeah. The guy was a shortstop third baseman, and they're like, hey, left field is on the same side of the field as shortstop and third base. No, just keep him in the infield. Move him to second for all I care. Just like, it, don't, you know, don't do that. And he was the worst left fielder I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, uh, literally. It, it, Manny Ramirez was an Ozzie Smith in left field compared to Hanley Ramirez. Like, right. just 
unreal how bad he was. Because that was the saying, you know, probably even that winter when he was going to be the left fielder, everybody was saying, well, Manny did it. Well, Manny did it, <laughs> you know, and then. Manny was a career outfielder. That guy to... was always an outfielder. Yeah, true. We're, we're talking about a shortstop, a guy that's, you know, in shortstop third baseman that had zero experience in the outfield. It's. Yeah. It was uh, it was bad, but that that whole thing we won't get into it. But Hanley had a really interesting history, you know, in the Red Sox organization, you know, with the gorilla suit yep. that mm-hmm. Epstein left uh, Fenway in, and the the two um, interim uh, executives there. I don't know their names, but they traded him for for Josh Beckett and Mike Lowell, which might be mm-hmm. one of the greatest trades of all time, probably top five somewhere in there. But it, yes, it is. But at the same time, people forget just how nuts Hamley was for the Marlins. Yeah. He, like he was hitting three twenty with 30 home runs, stealing 30 bags. It was uh, winning gold gloves at shortstop. It was, it, he was one of the best players in baseball. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just Beckett was the ALCS MVP in in two thousand seven, oh, and then it certainly worked out for the Red Sox. But yeah. it's not like Hamley became a nobody. You know, it's not like they sent this guy to Miami and he just rotted there. It was yeah, like MVP candidate. You know, year in and year out. So yeah, and Mike Lowell, same same postseason World Series MVP. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, I. I won't hate that trade. I, the Veritech trade has to be probably one of the best ever and Derek Lowe was in that trade if I'm not mistaken yeah yeah so that that obviously uh it, you know it was all history after that but uh yeah all right so whew, didn't think there'd be some Hanley Ramirez freestyling on this episode but uh we got there uh <laughs> so finally uh an acquisition that most of us didn't hate uh Red Sox signed reliever Chris Martin, who played the second half of the season with the Dodgers last year, had a sub two ERA strikeout rate through the roof. I think he had like a 12 something strikeout 12, per nine. 12.4, yeah. That's pretty elite. Uh, you know, Kimbrell mm-hmm. was like 15 something one year, but that's obviously yeah. off the charts. But um, so we finally have a, a, a really good. Um, you know, guy who can punch guys out. Also, excuse me, a, a, a low walk rate as well. So he's he's had some up and downs in his career. He's got like a, I think like a 390 uh, ERA, career ERA, but mm-hmm. 36 years old. He signed a two-year $17.5 million deal. And... Um, I think he's going to be an eighth inning guy. What do you think? Yeah, it, it seems like Martin will be the setup man. Do you and think to I, Hauk? I, it'll probably start as Hauk. Um, you know, I'll say it again. It should be Whitlock and Hauk in the rotation. I'll die on that <laughs> hill. Um, but yeah, it'll it'll probably be setting up Hauk. Um, maybe if Schreiber shows, you know, that last year wasn't a fluke, maybe they'll throw you know, Schreiber some ni- uh, ninth inning chances, or if they go out and get a Kenley Jansen or, you know, a, a veteran relief pitcher, they could throw him in the ninth. But 
right now I'd say Martin is a setup guy. He's never really been a closer. He, he'll pick up two, three saves a year. That's about it when a closer needs a day off sort of thing. Um, but I like the signing. I Solid pitcher. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say he's the second coming because I don't think he is. He had a really strong second half of the Dodgers last year. But before that, when he was on the Cubs, his ERA was 4.3. Like it's not like he was great from pillar to post last year, but I like the guy. I he had some solid years in Atlanta, sort of a you know he was a reclamation project a couple of years ago after some ineffectiveness early in his career. Seems to be an effective reliever, which this is the type of guy the Red Sox need—a guy that you know can eat innings and a guy that you know you know will go out there and not walk guys. That's my favorite part of this: is Chris Martin has historically been a very good control pitcher. And the Red Sox need more control pitchers in that bullpen. As much as I love how he loses the zone sometimes, Schreiber we saw get a little wild toward the ends of last year. So I like the control. Two years is fine. I know he's a little up there in age. The, the second year gets the deal done. That's just a classic. You know, he probably had a few one-year offers. The Sox threw a second at him, so he signed it. That's fine. I, I really have no problems with this. I'm starting to think that Hein Bloom has an old guy fetish. He just brings in guys that are up there. Rich Hill, obviously, on their extreme end, but James Paxton going to be 35 this year. Um, He's going to be 35? I think so, yeah. What the? Where did the time go? I remember when Paxton was coming up as the hot, the hot prospect in uh, Seattle. Now you're making me second guess it. Let's have a look. There's no way he's going to be 35. He is well. Actually, he turned thirty-four in November. All right, I embellished a little bit. I, I really did think he was going to be thirty-five. I, I, I still can't believe I can't believe he's thirty-four. If you asked me how old James Paxton was, I would have said thirty-one. This is ridiculous. Yeah, so he's up there. Brazier, not that he's a Bloom acquisition, uh, thirty-five as well. We got a very old pitching staff. Sales going to be thirty-three, thirty-four. Um, mm-hmm. It's just I don't Bloom. Just do, it doesn't seem to doesn't seem to phase him. So uh, it wasn't a very young pitching market this year, to be fair. <laughs> well, <laughs> Verlander jacks it up a little bit. I'm shocked now, you know, with all this Jacob data. Jacob DeGrom's that, 34. Like, you know, it really wasn't a, wasn't a young pitching crowd. Hey, I want to get to him in a minute. Cause I don't think we talked about him on the last show, but I just, just a couple more nuggets on, uh, on Martin. So, I, I'm a big, like, let's see what the postseason numbers look like guy. And where are they? If I remember correctly, he was a huge part of that Atlanta bullpen in 2020. Uh, yes. Uh, well, for part of it, he didn't pitch in the uh, divisional series uh, against the Brewers. Mm-hmm. He's got a, a four and a half ERA in the NLCS, but that was he pitched two innings and gave up a home run to to someone. So yeah, not terrible. And uh, you know, for some reason, there's a lot of dingers in the postseason. And then in the World Series, did not give up a single uh, run in two and one thirds innings pitched. And then the Dodgers got knocked out pretty early against the Padres, but he did pitch uh, two innings and two appearances and uh, did not give up an earned run there. So uh, looks okay. He's pitched in some big markets, Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Los Angeles and Atlanta. 
Cincinnati, not a big market, but but mm-hmm. anyway, so um not a signing I hate. I mean, uh, definitely an under the radar move. There was uh, some Kenley Jansen talk, uh, which didn't look too serious, but the name was getting kicked out there. I'm not saying I would have hated that either, um, but you know, Jansen's been around a while. Lots of uh, wear and tear. He's had a couple of heart surgeries. Hopefully, those are behind him. But I and he, he there was a point I think a couple of years ago where he just looked washed, like it was just done. Yeah. And he figured it out, and um, so good for him on that. But um, this is one of those under the radar moves. No one saw him coming. He wasn't on any radar. Oh, and one other thing that I forgot to bring up as well. You pointed out 4.3 ERA in, in Chicago, uh, one mm-hmm. point something, uh, you know, in 1.4 one, in L.A. 1.4 in L.A. I wonder if that speaks to the pitching programs in each organization, because the Cubs, to me, look like they've had a trash pitching program, like not a lot of success there outside. Yeah, basically, of, since Madden left, it hasn't been great. Yeah, exactly. Um before, before, I mean, when Madden was there and his staff, they did a great job with pitchers. And Lester looked like a man reborn. Yeah, Jake Arrieta obviously had that insane run. Yeah, uh, Lackey, Kyle, decent year. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, you know, like they, they were really doing stuff in Chicago with pitchers. Not, not since Madden left. Their um, bullpen though was consistently a problem, and they got Chapman yeah. and <laughs> rode him like a rented mule, <laughs> and uh, just oh yeah pitched him until about his arm fell off Madden was like it was always multiple innings too so I just wanted to point that out I I still don't know how I feel about the Red Sox pitching program on paper it has not looked good the last few years Um, 2020 and 2022 the rotation was ranked around 23rd 24th and then the bullpens uh, those respective years 26 and 27th so um, so hopefully Dave Bush, uh, you know, figures it out this year. I will say they they also haven't had the best personnel in recent years in terms of pitchers to work with. So, yeah, but I mean, Diekman just didn't work out, and Heim was was fortunate that you know the White Sox were willing to to I, take that on. And I was so mad. I loved that signing too. I I, I was a big Jake Diekman guy. Did not work out for me. I didn't. I didn't hate it, but um, I, I thought it could potentially work out better as well. But there was something about Diekman that I just didn't like his demeanor or something. Maybe he's a hell of a guy. I know he does a lot of charity work uh, for mm-hmm. something that was in the news a lot. But there was just something about him. I, I don't know. I wasn't a big Euclid guy because he would cry all the way back to the dugout every time he struck out. I just it just yeah. rubbed me the wrong way. When Middlebrook stole his job, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Um, but yeah, so I think we whiffed. I mean, the, the Matt Barnes extension was a whiff. I feel like at least for the amount that he signed for. Yeah. Matt Barnes. Thanks. (laughs) He does. And he, there's like a cult following behind him that swears, Oh, this is going to be the year he's lights out. He's lights out every year for about two months. And then he, the ball goes out of the park. He's, every he's other at bat good. for yeah even when he was good i hated matt barnes like even when he was like having a good year i was like nope this guy stinks i'm not buying it i know and, 
and they're the thing they love to point out is 2019. He he, he had like he might have had the highest strikeout per nine uh, in the league that year. It was like in the 15s, I think. But mm-hmm. um, so I don't know. I'm I'm not a Barnes guy. It's hard to believe he's been with this team since 2014. That's when he got called up. Yeah, I he's, think he's, if Xander comes back. Um, he'll then be the second longest tenured player on the Red Sox. But if not, he'll be the first. Which is insane. (laughs) It's just insane, man. Yeah. Well, luckily, you know, if Schreiber is 80% as good as he was last year, we're all going to take that. There's maybe your seventh inning guy. You got Martin in the eighth. I'm a Hout guy, yeah, but I will agree Whitlock is probably better off in in the pen. But I really like Hout in the relief role. Um, he just, the way he's just so calm in the moment and mm-hmm. Whitlock to me looks the opposite. He's just always nervous. It looks like, and um, I don't know how just always in, in control. So kind of, I don't want to compare him to Papelbon because Papelbon looked like a possessed lunatic. I was going to say, he's a maniac. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But he just controlled the situation, I guess. Yeah. um, Yeah. So, all right. So we'll see how that works out. Maybe Heim will finally uh, strike something there in the pen. Uh, Just a quick couple minutes on Aaron Judge. Report came out this week that the, I think it was a passing report too. So a lot of credibility there. Um, Yankees have offered him an eight year deal in the neighborhood of 300 million. Mm -hmm. I was pretty steadfast all season long that he's staying in New York. He has to stay in New York. Um, you know, the, he's the face of the franchise. He sells the most merch. There's no way they can not have Aaron judge on his, on their roster. Admittedly, I did kind of soften up uh, after the season ended. You're hearing that judge unfollowed them on all his social media accounts and the giants. And I I thought the Mets would be uh, a player in that, but apparently there's a code between the two teams. We don't mess with each other's players. At least that's what some people are speculating. Um, so I, I did think there's a possibility he could leave, but now that this deal is out there, eight years, 300 million, and they did say it was not necessarily the final offer. I think he's staying in New York. It, I've been on the judge to San Francisco train. Um, the San Francisco Giants haven't had a player hit 30 home runs since Barry Bonds. That's that's an actual stat. Been since Bonds in 2004. One of the toughest parks, though, too. Very tough park. It, very tough park to hit home runs in. I understand. You know who's going to hit 30 home runs for the San Francisco Giants? Aaron Judge. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to hit 62. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to hit 50 ever again. This team needs power like I need air to breathe. They don't have a legitimate power bat in San Francisco. And I like that roster. It's a bunch of no names that just so happen to be good. Like I like Lamont Wade Jr. I, you know, Brandon Crawford, obviously everyone knows he's you know a tremendous defender and has had multiple, you know, all-star level seasons. Brandon Belt, if he stays healthy, is a legitimate bat. But just or Brandon Belt's a free agent this year, so never mind. Um 
But I, I like people on that team. I like the pitching staff. I think they can compete for a wild card if they get a power bat. The San Francisco kid's right there. He went to Francisco State. He grew up a Giants fan. And you know he grew up a real Giants fan because he didn't say his favorite player was Barry Bonds. His favorite player is Rich Aurelia. That's how you know he's a real Giants fan. It's just the random second baseman they had in the 90s that hit 37 home runs one time. Like, that, you know, that's how you know he's a Giants fan. I, I, I still think he might end up in San Francisco. The Giants have tried for years to get the big bat. They tried for Stanton. Didn't work. They tried for Goldschmidt. Didn't work. They keep trying to get these guys, and it just doesn't work out. I believe that report from earlier in the offseason that says they won't be outbid. I think if you know the Yankees offer him eight and three hundred. Okay, the, the Giants say okay, eight and three ten. Uh, and the Yankees are like, all right, eight and three twenty, hey, eight and three forty. We'll up you like you know. I just I think they're gonna try really try hard to get him. I I've been on that train, but you know, eight and three hundred is tough to turn down, man. That makes him the highest paid position player in baseball. Yeah, what is the annual on that? Thirty seven and a half. Thirty seven and a half. And Trout's the highest currently at thirty six. So mm-hmm. um I and then one other report came out after that. I think it was a Rosenthal report that it's increasingly likely he'll get a ninth year. So that would put him in the three thirty range if that happens. Mm-hmm. I my official prediction was nine at, at um three fifteen, which I think was thirty five a year, but I think it'll it'll come out uh, a little bit north of that, but nowhere near four. I don't think like some people were projecting. I can't stop burping, so I apologize if my mic is picking that up. It's uh, disgusting, but I still say if I were a GM, I would call him up and say, "I will give you four years for two hundred million dollars. I'll give you fifty million dollars a year." I don't think he even takes that. I but I I would make the call. Okay. I'd be like, listen. This is my offer. You want to be the highest paid player? Oh, how about uh, all right? Four for two twenty. I'll make you the highest paid player in sports, Aaron Judge. Just be here for four years, and then maybe, and then someone else can take you. It, I, I would never go eight nine years on that guy. It's it's risky. It's risky, and I, I I'm not gonna lie. It's usually against everything that you know, I'm four, but where we're so thin in the outfield, it's just, Oh man, I'm just more tempted than anything. Um, you know, with a guy like judge and then eventually a DH, but he's got the injury history. So there's certainly, uh, a lot Mm -hmm. of, of red flags and the, the giants are probably sick of being the, you know, the third child, you know, to the Dodgers and the Padres who make all the big splashes. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, they, they probably want to have a significant player. But I think the Yankees, their home field advantage with, and what I mean by that, where he's played his, his whole career, I just think it's too strong. I think the gravitational pull is just too strong over there uh, for him. But if he does, if he does go go out west, I mean, it'll be fun to watch Yankees Twitter, you know, melt down. Oh, I can't wait. One other thing, too, that I've also been in the back of my mind with Judge, 
you know who really needs him to sign with the Yankees? Hmm. Commissioner Manfred. Oh, yeah. Too too many of these people are going out west, and nobody's watching them because everybody's in bed uh, at, you know, at 10 p.m. When, when those games start. So... I think I think Manfred really wants that New York market to, you know, be, you know, lively and and vibrant and and it's just to to take Judge out of that it's it would be a big blow. So I I think baseball kind of needs him to stay. I and the Dodgers too. I mean, you got you can't rule them out either. I will never rule out the Dodgers for any player for the rest of baseball history. Yeah. They got, cause they're, you know, they won in 2020, but no one gives them credit for that. So, yeah. so, and I, think, I will say the only, if the Rays won that, I would absolutely give the Rays credit. And <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's only because I hate the Dodgers. It it's, the same re- it's the same reason I don't give the Lakers credit for the bubble because I hate the Lakers. If any other team won that, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Give it to them. Why yeah. Not? It, Actually, oh, no, because they played the Heat. I wouldn't have given the Heat credit either. Okay. <laughs> I actually hate the Heat more than I hate the Lakers. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't stand the Heat. Because they took Ray Allen and... It's not even just the Ray Allen thing. It's just... I... Like, I... It's weird because I liked D. Wade. I liked Chris Posh. I hate LeBron with a burning passion. Like, I, I liked a lot of the players on the team... But just watching them year in and year out beat the Celtics in the playoffs, I was just, I can't do it. It, it, The Lakers, it's like, okay, we got them in the finals. I remember watching that. Then they got us, you know, like that's how Celtics-Lakers works. The Heat being so good with LeBron just made me so mad. It made my blood boil. Um, So I... I tend to hate the Heat more than I hate the Lakers, especially because now the Lakers are an unserious organization. Yeah, they're um that that team does not matter in the slightest. They stink. Right. All right, so finally, uh let's get into your wheelhouse a little bit. Uh Fred McGriff was uh voted in by what's the committee called? The um the contemporary baseball today's game committee, something like that. It, every time I see it mentioned, it has like a different name. It, <laughs> yeah. The veterans committee. It, everyone still calls it the veterans committee. Okay. And so there's 16, um, you know, people on it, ex players. Mm-hmm. And he got a unanimous uh, vote. So Fred McGriff Mm -hmm. will go to Cooperstown via this committee. Uh, The one Red Sox name on there um, that some of us, two, who did I forget? Lemons. Oh, (laughs) true. He's not, he's a Yankee. Um, Oh, come on. (laughs) To me, he's a Yankee, but, um, but yeah, so Schilling, I thought was probably 50, 50 to get in, but it turned out he wasn't even close. Got what? Seven votes. Yeah. Seven. So I mean, close to 50, 50, like, you know, he got almost 50% of the votes. Um, yeah, he's Kurt Schilling's such an interesting case because I've always, you know, been pro if a guy's a hall of famer, a guy's a hall of famer. Ty Cobb actively tried to murder people on the baseball I, field. No one oh. held that against him. And but he did, I think, off the field, didn't he? I think he did kill someone. No, that that was never uh, 
there was a rumor about that, but I don't oh. think that was ever proven. Okay. Um, no, Ty Cobb, just not a good guy. Uh, and many people in the Hall of Fame, not good guy. Uh, Tom Yawkey's in the Hall of Fame, noted racist. <laughs> <laughs> True, yeah. Like, you know, a lot of bad people in the Hall of Fame. And I'm not going to sit here and say Kurt Schilling's a good man. I will never, you will never hear those words come across my lips. Kurt Schilling is a massive asshole. The guy retired with the best strikeout to walk ratio in the history of baseball. It has since been surpassed by Chris Sale, which I think is funny. Um, it has since been surpassed. He's one of the great postseason pitchers in the history of baseball. Over 3,000 strikeouts, finished runner up in Cy Young three times, two of which were his teammate, who maybe you've heard of him, Randy Johnson. Skinny guy, Twins. kills birds. He kills birds. Uh, but guy was a you know pretty good uh, four time Cy Young winner Randy John or five time Cy Young winner Randy Johnson won four in a row with the Diamondbacks and Schilling was the runner up in two of those. Like guy's a Hall of Fame pitcher. I am a member of the media. He said the media should be lynched <laughs> every year when I do a, a mock Hall of Fame ballot. Kurt Schilling was on that ballot. It, call me a homer. Call me what you want. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens were also on those ballots. So, you know, maybe it's just I like hateable guys. But Kurt Schilling's a Hall of Famer. He, w- he will get in eventually. I hope so. And uh, I think I said on the last show, he's got me blocked on Twitter because I, um, you know, got into a brief spat with him. But I, I would like to see him in Cooperstown. W- were you surprised Bonds and Clemens got – so low, they got, I think, fewer than four votes I saw. Yes, they each got fewer, four or fewer. Um, I was surprised they got that low. I expected a couple more. I didn't expect them to get in. Uh, but that low of a number surprised me. Um, and it, I think it would be, and we would never find this out, I think it would be very interesting to see who those votes came from. Because I want to know if there was like one player and then – two execs and one writer if it was three players like i want to know who's holding it against him how many players were on the committee out of the 16 do you know um ended up only being five there was supposed to be six chipper jones got sick so chipper jones couldn't make it to the meeting um he was replaced by i'm drawing a blank on his name the ceo and president of the arizona diamondbacks uh but there are five players uh Greg Maddox, Ryan Sandberg. Um, why are those the only two I can remember along with Chipper Jones? Whatever. Five Hall of Famers. They were all Hall of Famers. Okay. Um, so I think it would be interesting to see who did and didn't vote for Bonds and Clemens because I think that could tell a lot about their future. If it was like all four or, you know, if they each got four votes and all four came from the group of players then it grows more and more unlikely that they would get in moving forward strictly because they use less players than they do execs and writers on this committee. Um, But it's interesting. The one thing I think I pointed this out recently with you, the one thing that would give me pause if we think that the, the, the players are going to elect him in, especially as they become players of this Mm -hmm. current or maybe just the the recent generation 
The one thing that gives me pause is you look at the Tati situation, and he was shunned by all of his teammates who said they didn't need him. So I think I think players are really dead set against PEDs. It, but it's a different era. You can't like you cannot compare what Bonds, McGuire, Clemens, Palmero, all those guys to PED use now. When they were doing it, it was the Wild West. And I cannot stress this enough. I've stressed this for years. It wasn't against the rules. It was frowned upon. They There was no punishment. If you got caught doing it, whatever. Like, we don't like it, but we can't stop you. There wasn't punishment until 2005, after which Bonds and Clements never got suspended, despite the fact that both of them played during the joint drug agreement era. It's I hear weird. you, but I, I just don't know that they'll look at it that way. It, I mean, it's just amazing. Like Mark McGuire was doing post-game interviews in front of his locker with the biggest tub of Andro you've ever seen just sitting over his shoulder. Like, it's... These guys, it was common knowledge. Everyone was doing it. It was the Wild West. All of the cliches people say about the steroid era. And eventually on this committee, you will get guys like Bagwell, like Padre Rodriguez, like Mike Piazza. Guys that long were tied to it. Pudge. Excuse me, I had to sneeze. Uh, Pudge, you know, being more than linked to it, who's sort of confirmed that Pud Rodriguez did it. Like, you know, these guys will vote for guys like Pons and Clemens. I have no doubt in my mind. David Ortiz linked to it. He would vote for Bonds and Clemens. Like, I just, I, I'm dead set on the fact that they will eventually be Hall of Famers. Like I said, it might be 80 years down the line when no one cares, and then someone all of a sudden goes, why is the all-time home run leader not in the Hall of Fame? Why is this guy that won seven Cy Young Awards not in the Hall of Fame? They will get in eventually. But it might be a while given the results of this. Also, I haven't gotten to say it. Thank God Fred McGriff is in the Hall of Fame now. Christ almighty, the guy hit 493 home runs and he had to fall off the ballot after 15 years. He was grandfathered in with the 15-year rule. And he had to wait 15 years and then for this committee to vote to get in the Hall of Fame. What was the big knock on him that they didn't like? There wasn't one. That's the problem. Okay. The guy was a perennial three-hole hitter, four-hole hitter. Well, the knock is he didn't hit 500 home runs. He played during the 1994 strike. He lost all like half of that season. You think he wouldn't have hit seven more home runs? Okay. Like all-time great slugger. I mean, he has the same amount of home runs as Lou Gehrig. Good name to be in the company yeah. of, yeah. Also get Don Mattingly in the Hall of Fame. One one last thing about Bonds and Clemens. Would it help their case if they simply came out and said, yep, okay, it's time to admit it. We did it. Because a big thing to me, I'm a character guy, and I don't, I don't like the lying. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a weird way, I think it would help Bonds more than it helped Clemens. Because Bonds seemingly is a more likable guy than Roger Clemens. 
Really? Because I've heard all kinds of stories that Bonds is a dick. Well, okay. Barry Bonds nowadays is a more likable guy than Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens still kind of seems like an asshole. There's the thing where he threw the bat at Piazza, which the fact that he threw the bat at Piazza, someone asked why you, why he, did he do that? And he said, I thought it was the ball. So, okay, you're going to throw the ball at the guy? <laughs> yeah. He's just a bad liar. Just, yeah, geez. bad liar, not a good person. Barry Bonds, yeah, there was some incidents with Jeff Kent, and there was some stuff that happened in, you know, in those locker rooms. Ever since then, people, you know, he's been recognized and like, you know, the giants have brought him back and people are like happy to see Barry. And, you know, he's, he's sort of become a more likable guy and helped his image. And I don't think Clements has so much. Clements is more like a, just uh, that old Southern bastard, you know, you know, just sits there and talks about how good he was back in the day. And Barry Bonds, who is very skinny now as well, which should be the, the the sign that he was doing all sorts of stuff. I mean, that guy lost like 120 pounds. I, I just saw a meme the other day. I, I I'm not going to dig it up now, but it was a Bonds one, and I can't remember how it goes, but it was funny. Um, all right, so I guess on that we will wrap. Let me just make sure no uh, breaking news has come out. So we could be on this week any given night because it's the winter meetings and. Things get fast and furious uh, during this week, and then uh, it kind of tapers off a little bit. You'll have spurts of stuff here and there. Aroldis Chapman has hired the Wasserman Group to uh, represent him, so I hope that goes well for him. Yeah, uh, I hope uh, he signs in uh, Taiwan to play basketball with Dwight Howard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh the oldest, also, the oldest chapman should not be playing professional baseball anymore i don't and this has so nothing either. to this has nothing to do with what he does on the field i just get yeah. that guy the hell out of my sport right uh, yeah absolutely his uh dv involved a uh a firearm mm-hmm. um so another uh note here fred mcgriff joked that he'd wear his blue cap from the Tom Amansky video in the Cooperstown. <laughs> That's the hat he's going with. So uh, that would be, they would never do that, but that would be so funny. <laughs> like Apparently. it's like how they, they never in, I really wish they would have Ken Griffey wanted his cap on backwards. Oh, and they, didn't but they were like, no, it, it, pick one. He was like, all right, fine. A Mariner's cap. They're yeah. like, okay, good boy. That's the obvious <laughs> choice. Wasn't going to be a Reds cap. Yeah. But uh, all right. So uh, again, we'll wrap on that. Nothing new on the wire, but uh, perhaps a, a signing or a trade could happen. Oh, I didn't get to, I didn't get to rant about Zach Eflin, but well, maybe another show. So everybody have a great start to your work week. Take care. <laughs>